Hello, everybody. Malcolm Teasdale here, The Travel Addict. Yes, the program is called The Travel Addict Show. Now, there's a reason I call that, because it's about travel addiction, specifically about me, because I am a travel addict, or at least that's what people tell me. Now, just to give you a little history here, I blame my parents for the situation I am in today. Now, both have sadly passed away, uh, but I wonder that if they were alive today, they would actually admit to taking responsibility for or approve of my actions over the last 40 years. Now, I will say this. I do not travel to countries just to put a check mark on a map. I visit places because I genuinely want to go there, at least from a personal standpoint, meaning there's a good reason why. For business trips, you know, you typically can't, choose where you want to go to admittedly some places can be unpleasant but you know you have to suck it up and do uh, what is right and support the company you work for i've paid my dues in this regard now one thing i am guilty of is the fact that i now have a geographically dispersed family and a circle of friends in various places in the world which in times of celebration and vacation makes it challenging to visit and enjoy the closeness that those occasions bring. One might say it's collateral damage or probably self-inflicted injury. Now, my parents used to take my sister and I on vacations during our young years because they had to if they wanted to go somewhere themselves. Now, early memories are for places in England, Spain, and a bus tour through Europe, but it wasn't until 1971 that the travel book started to have an effect on me. My high school at the time in Coventry organised an exchange visit with fellow students from the high school in Coventry, Connecticut. Now, when I came home and told my parents about it, they were very interested because we had relations over in the United States we hadn't seen for many, many years, or they hadn't seen for many, many years. So we took the trip. There's 40 or 50 others that took the trip across the Atlantic Ocean. Now, the flight was taken with an airline, now defunct called Donaldson's, and it was a Boeing 707 that actually had to stop in Gander, Newfoundland, to refuel as it couldn't make the complete trip to New York. But we stayed with families of the high school students, and they stayed with us when they came over to Britain. And all in all, it was a massive success. On the return trip from the United States, I remember saying it to my mother, I'm going to move to America one day. <laughs> and the opportunity actually came our way in 1985 when my employer at the time wanted to transfer me to Boca Raton, Florida. So that's obviously a long time ago. It was an easy decision, but tough on my parents, which at the time I did not consider. But I was excited to start a new life over the pond. and uh, But they came to visit me several times. So it was all good. Now, growing up in England, pretty commonplace for guys like me, middle teens, to go to Spain for a holiday, uh, Benidorm, for example, Loret de Mar, and where we could just hang around on the beach all day long and uh, go clubbing at night. And that's what we did, basically. It was a fun place to, to go, and uh, other guys did the same thing. So, you know, you get a bit tired of things, don't you, after a time and time again, every year after year. And I remember I was still living at home at the age of 19. I remember my parents coming up to me and said, Malcolm, Dad and I are going to go to Asia for a couple of weeks. Uh, will you be all right taking care of the house? 
and looking after the cat. I said, I think so. So they went off to Asia. When they came back, the house was still standing and the cat was still alive, so I must have been more responsible than I thought. Now, that trip they took piqued my interest. And uh, so I thought, Asia, that never crossed my mind before. So as I got a little bit older, I was tired of the old going to Spain thing with my buddies. So I suggested to them, I said, well, let's go somewhere different. Let's go to Asia. And they said, where? I said, Asia. Yeah. And there was no interest. Basically, he said, why do we need to go all the way over there when we could just go here? Why do we need to spend all that money where we could just go here? All the other excuses, well, I've got a steady girlfriend, we're getting engaged, I'm saving up to get married, all these excuses. So it did pique my interest. So at the time, I had two jobs, actually, because I had my daytime job, but I was also a disc jockey in, in the evening. So the money was there for me to do it. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to go to Asia by myself. So I came home one day, and uh, this is when I was living on my own, and said to my parents, I'm going to go to Asia. And they looked at me thinking, hmm. <laughs> they were a bit concerned about it. Um, but I was wanted to visit Asia, and I was on a mission to do so. And as I said, no friends would come along. Okay, I was on my own. So telling my parents I was going to Asia for two weeks, took them by surprise because I'd never been away on a solo trip before and they possibly thought I'd maybe not mature enough to handle the dramatic change in culture. Now, the Hong Kong Beat, a series from the late 70s, was on TV. I'd recently been on for quite some time and portrayed the land as a negative in a negative light, highlighting the seedier side of life and crime. It was a British colony back in those days, but that did not ease the concerns of my parents when I told them that it was on my itinerary. So was Singapore and so was Bangkok to increase their worry. I considered it a challenge. And you know what? I did it. And I was first on the plane to leave London Heathrow and go over to uh, Hong Kong. And that was the start of good things. I was fortunate to be able to stay in the Mandarin Orient Hotel in Hong Kong and uh, stayed there a few uh, days, then moved on to Singapore and ended up in Bangkok. So that was excellent. Later that year, I went to Tel Aviv, Israel for a couple of weeks. So the book was there. At an early age, I started to like seeing places in the rest of the world. So fast forward a little bit. 1985 came along. My company offered me a transfer to Boca Raton, Florida. So here was my great opportunity. But I did come to realize that I would be on the road most of the time. I was in the technology business, and they required me to travel all over the United States. So I was fortunate, really excited about it. I got to see a lot of the United States during that time period, which was a fantastic experience. But later on, I started my own business. And uh, again, the travel in the United States and Canada uh, was substantial, and even to Mexico, into Latin America, and then, for us to get market share elsewhere in the world, I started to travel internationally. And that's what I did for a number of years. I was on the road a lot. In addition, I moved to Singapore for two years. I'm trying to get our office set up over there and get market share in that part of the world, including Australia, which was a fantastic thing to do. I would encourage 
anyone to experience that part of the world. Now, I was fortunate to be able to take earliest retirement based on the fact we, we did sell the company, but but having traveled on business all of these days for the last 20 or 30 years, it was time to do something a little bit different. So I decided to travel for adventure purposes, go off the beaten path. I'd been to all the business homes and capital cities. Yeah, it was great. Some experiences not so good as others, but, you know, that's the way it is. So I got the urge to travel more off the beaten path, and I started to do that. And one of the things I always gain from traveling is education, learning a little bit how the rest of the world lives. And I do realize that traveling to all these locations in the world could be a learning experience, but I wanted to do it from a health and attitude standpoint, because I know there come a time when health issues appear and become detriment to travel, causing my aspirations to dwindle. I'll have to accept that, but until then, I'll do whatever I can in the time I have left in this world. Now, it seems a little doom and gloom, but in all reality, we all reach that time in our lives when we just have to wind it down a little and stay around the neighborhood. I'll be calling that phase pre-death. Expanding on that, I'm aware that I could be subject to ailments based on my parents' genes. My mother had Alzheimer's and my father had a stroke and a heart attack. However, they lived to be a good old age of 86 and 89, respectively. Saying that, I do realize people live longer these days based on medical research and treatments for severe illnesses. But I have lost friends and relatives far too soon in their lives. In fact, back in 2022, I lost two close friends. It hurts. Even more so, I've got to do it while I can. No regrets in life, and that's for sure. I don't want to be laying in my bed when they get ready to pull the plug, and I'm thinking, maybe I should have done that. Darn it. And ever since 2015, I've been hooked up with various cruise lines in the world where I do the public speaking engagement or enrichment talk. There's various names for it, but I, I just uh, get in front of a crowd and talk about the history, geography, things to see and do in various countries, specifically the Caribbean, but I've done it in uh, the Baltics, Russia, Scandinavia, uh, Asia, and Europe. So it's a wonderful thing, and it gets me to see places I wouldn't normally have seen. So doing it while I can. Yes, I've trekked the Himalayas, and I've done various adventure stuff trekking, but I mentioned to my doctor uh, recently about you know health checkers. I told him I wanted to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, and he said, don't you dare do that, Teasdale, you're stupid. You can't do that. And he's probably right, so I don't need to push it to the edge or invite death at my age. So, yes, I've done the Himalayas. Do I really need to climb Mount Kilimanjaro? No, I need to relax more. So, obviously in the world, there's a few places right now where... I wouldn't want to go to. I think we know those places. We're a little bit scary, but I have a bucket list. The trouble is it keeps expanding. I'm adding stuff to it. You know, I was even in Kiev in the Ukraine just 18 months ago. Can you believe that? But fantastic place. So I've still got it in my blood. I write books about travel. This enables me to read them later on in life and read these stories of escapades then think, who the hell is this guy? Well, it's me. The Alzheimer's thing, you know. Anyway, that's why I'm a travel addict. Yeah, I'm up to about 118 countries right now. 
And if I discount the ones I've visited because of cruise lines, well, it's, it's going to be about 100 that I've stayed there more than 24 hours. So I've seen a lot. I learn a lot. And I talk to people about it. And I'm very fortunate my life has turned out this way. I'm still doing it while I can. And, you know, I'm off again on two weeks' time over to Europe in Asia early next year. So looking forward to that. Yes, I am a travel addict. I started a podcast three years ago. I have lots of guests on, only the ones that have a decent story to tell of adventure, something worth listening to. Been a guest myself on some podcasts. That's all right. Don't do a whole lot. But travel today is still important to me. And um, I look forward to keep on doing it until I just can't do it anymore. And yes, I am a travel addict, and that's what the podcast is called, because I am addicted to travel, but I am not alone. There's a lot of people like me out there. Just do it, folks. See the world. Learn how the rest of the world works, and it'll be enlightening and educational for you. Bye for now.